Back chat. Politics and current affairs. Back chat. Back chat. Your alternative to talk back. Yes, indeed, you are listening to Backchat on FBI Radio, your freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Shami Sivasubramanian. And I'm Swatha Das. This week, we've seen significant interest rate cuts and Aussie release from North Korean detention and a slew of anti-Adani protesters. But this morning, we'll be giving you all the news you might not have heard on your airwaves this week. First up, we have news and politics reporter at Junkie, Sam Langford, to talk to us about the hex changes which kicked in on Monday. And after that, we're chatting to PhD candidate Prue Robson about our research into Canberra and why the capital's city gets such a bad rap from others and as always we want to hear from you what are your thoughts on our nation's capital city come retiree haven let us know by texting us in on 0409 that's 0409 or tweet us in at backchat fbi to show us all what a beep lying beep backstabbing beep treacherous beep beep she is thanks colin backchat your alternative to talk back. Looks like the government didn't forget to give us a pinch and a punch on the first day of this month as the plan to reduce the HEX help repayment threshold finally kicked in on the 1st of July. While before these changes, you only had to start paying back your HEX fees once you started earning more than $51,957, the threshold has now dropped, and pretty significantly too to an income of $45,881 a year. We've got news and politics reporter at Junkie, Sam Langford, to answer any questions you might have about these changes. Welcome to the show, Sam. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure. So, Sam, can you explain just what the changes to HEX debt payments are? Yeah, absolutely. So, there were two main changes. As you just said, the income threshold dropped from... 51957 to 45881 which means you now have to start paying back your HEX once you earn more than 5881 a year. Um, and that's a pretty significant drop given that just two years ago it was about 10000 higher. It was around 55800 And the second change is also that some of the income brackets for repaying HEX have changed, which means that depending on your income, you might actually be forced to pay back your HEX at a different rate. So, for example, if you earn around $56,000 a year, you'll go from repaying your HEX at a rate of 2% to a rate of 2.5%. And that's actually 2.5% of your entire income, not just a little bit over the HEX threshold. So that can be a pretty big change for some people. So it's a really significant move, and you've spoken about rates uh, affecting different income thresholds. Can you go a bit more into that, please? Yeah, well, I guess basically when we talk about tax, there's that idea that the politicians are always talking about of bracket creep, which is this idea that once your income rises, you get the benefit of a pay rise, sure, but then you're tipped into the next tax bracket, the government takes more money from you, and then you're sad because you're actually worse off. And no one really talks about this with regards to hex debt, but there are brackets for hex debt, and the changes mean that some people are going to be like quite significantly bumped up into different brackets. But I think the different brackets that they have now are listed on the government website. But I think the most important thing about that is that part about how it's 2.5% or whatever percentage of a person's entire income. You know, income tax doesn't work like that. You Your first 18000 of income is tax-free, and then you pay the first income tax rate on just a little bit of your income that inches over that threshold. 
tax isn't like that. It's everything you own. The, rever- uh, the Reserve Bank cut interest rates to a new low of 1%. Uh, the Morrison government also joined in with the passing of its tax cuts plan on Thursday. These changes have been introduced in a bid to boost the economy and take the burden of households. Does the lower HEX threshold change this for grads as well? Yeah, absolutely. And it changes it in a pretty negative way for some grads. So one of the main parts of the government's big tax tax relief package that passed yesterday was kind of a one-off sort of tax payment of up to $1,080 for people this financial year. And depending on how much you earn, the bump in how much tax hex debt you might need to pay back can cancel that out. And Naaman Zoe over at The Guardian wrote a really good story about this where he looks at, well, if you're earning around, say, $50,000 a year, like the government's going to hand you thousand and eighty dollars and then you're essentially going to pay that back in hex debt and you're going to end out with no benefit and when the government's been talking about how important it is to you know give people these tax benefits so that they can spend and help a struggling economy it's so strange that there hasn't been any conversation about hex debt in that because so so much of the population does have a hex debt it's not just young people people are paying this off for years you're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Shami and Swetha. We're speaking to news and politics reporter at Junkie Sam Langford on what you need to know about the new HEX changes. So, Sam, how do people go about repaying their HEX loans? Well, the HEX loans usually work a little bit like income tax, where if you've submitted like your tax file number and stuff to your employer, under the pay-as-you-go system, they'll take a little chunk out of your income each pay slip before you even get your pay and hold that aside to pay tax at hex debt and stuff to the government. The tricky thing about hex is that if your employer, for whatever reason, hasn't set aside the right amount of money, and that might be because you have multiple jobs and each employee doesn't know about the other ones, that might be because you know the hex threshold has changed and suddenly your employer wasn't setting aside any money and now you're over the hex threshold and they should have been. In any of those cases, like, you might come tax time when you put in your tax return, actually get a letter from the government saying you actually owe a bigger hex repayment. And that can really catch some people out if that happens. Oh, so you can owe more? You can't owe more if, if that's not set up right. Things that can help get it set up right is to make sure that your employer knows you have a hex debt. Normally, when you submit that um, that form that declares your tax file number, there's a box to check saying I have hex debt, and that'll let them know to set aside some money. But if you have multiple jobs, each of those jobs doesn't know how much income you're making from the other jobs. It could be that they're all setting aside the wrong amount of money based on their estimate of which bracket you'll fall into. Is there ever a, a situation where you might be paying more hex than you should pay you? Is there any way to get a refund? Is that is that a... I'm just spitballing trying to understand more. I'm not really sure if that can happen. Um, I would imagine that you'd struggle to get a refund unless you ended up paying more money back than you owed in HEX overall because at the end of the day, you are paying back that one HEX loan. Having said that, if you find yourself like in a financial position where you just can't afford the HEX payments, there is an option um, if you Google like hex debt ref- deferral on the government's website, there is an option to apply to have your debt kind of put on pause or deferred to the next year to give you a chance to pay that back. I'm not sure um, how easy or difficult it is to go through that process. I've never tried to do it. Um, but yeah, there is that option out there if people need it. 
So, Sam, do you have any tips for people who are paying off their hex? Anything we should do to stay on top of the process and avoid surprises? Yeah, I think the most important thing um, is to check with all of your employers that they do actually have that tax file number form and know that they should be setting aside money for your hex debt because, you know, depending on how, I guess, how dodgy your employer is, sometimes, you know, that paperwork gets lost. Sometimes you move from, like, a kind of cash-in-hand job to a more permanent one and that paperwork is never done. So it's good to make sure that your employer is setting aside the money for you. The other thing you can do is on the ATO website, but also like a couple of different publications, I think The Guardian at one point had a calculator that can kind of estimate how much hex debt you should be owing in a year. And you can keep a bit of an eye on how much your employer is taking out and just even build up a little bit of savings and be aware at the end of the financial year. In the same way that sometimes you submit your tax return and you owe tax, you may submit your tax return and find that you Oh, hex, especially since these changes. So it's good to have some savings set aside just in case that does happen. Anyway, thanks so much for talking to us this morning, Sam. No worries. That was Sam Langford, news and politics reporter at Junkie, uh, talking to us on the new hex changes that will be affecting you. Stay tuned because later on the show, we'll be speaking to a PhD candidate at the University of Canberra on what we want to know, what is the most annoying thing about Sydney's... Po- oh, no. What is the most <laughs> annoying thing? You were so annoyed, Swetha. <laughs> it just was bubbling through you. I saw it in your face. You oh. can't see it, listeners, but Swetha's gone red. Oh, Lord. I want to know. What are your thoughts on Canberra? I love Canberra. I... Oh. You don't like Canberra? I find it boring. Like I, I appreciate... Oh. Like, I, honestly, oh, honestly, I think we Canberra had- takes... <laughs> Okay. A lot of the, I think Canberra makes Sydney look better. So for that, I thank you. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that is true. Um, and we're not talking about Melbourne versus Sydney. We are talking about no. Canberra, and it is what's Melbourne. <laughs> I have never heard of her. Um, but yeah, we are going to be talking about Canberra uh, and why it cops so much flax. We want to hear from you. What do you think about Canberra? Does it deserve the reputation that it has? Text us in on oh four oh nine nine four five nine four five or tweet us at Backchat FBI. But for now, we're going to go to a song. This is. One of my favorite songs of this week. I've been playing it nonstop. This is Winner's Circle from Anderson Park's new album, Ventura. Enjoy. Back chat. Text 0409-945-945. What was the most recent conversation you've had about Canberra? Were you praising the wide streets, the impressive number of roundabouts, or fondly reminiscing about our nation's most beloved icon, Questicon? Probably not. It seems as though pretty much everything we say about Canberra is negative. It's full of crooked pollies. It has no light life. What's with all those roundabouts? (laughs) Prue Robson, a University of Canberra PhD candidate and proud Canberra resident, is researching why it is Canberra bashing exists, especially in the media. Hey, Prue. Hi, good morning. Hi. So you moved to Canberra in 2013. What were your thoughts before relocating? So my now husband moved here first. So we did a back and forth for a couple of years. And I honestly, the first time I visited, I felt dread. Not about seeing him, of course, but the stereotypes had got to me. I had literally never been to Canberra before. um, And I thought it was going to be boring, bland, sterile, nothing to do. Um, it was crazy because I, I literally had never been here before. I had no experience with Canberra. Um, and it turned out I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And then, yeah, so two years later, I made the move here myself. So what changed that changed your perspective about Canberra since moving there? 
So I think it was really experiencing it. Like once I was here and doing the everyday things, you know, the real Canberra, not the political Canberra, um, cafes, restaurants, the easy commute, open spaces, um, it just becomes a really, really easy place to live. So what are some of the perceptions you've come across in your research? Uh, what do people really think about the capital? Because you're doing a research into this. I think that's, yeah. I think that's wild. But anyway, continue. <laughs> uh, well, that's what triggered it. My emotions that I went through moving here triggered it because my background is in public relations and I had done some place branding work. And when I started experiencing this, I thought, what is going on here? Like, there is definitely something here I need to look in this more. And so it was a kind of perfect segue into the PhD. Um, but at the moment in my PhD, I'm specifically looking at the way the media represents uh, Canberra the place. Um, so I've looked at articles from about 2006 to 2018 um, and talking about um, Canberra, specifically the place. And it's really interesting because um, three times as many articles in my data set are actually about uh, Canberra, the metaphor for politics. Um, so Canberra as the federal government. Canberra as the seat of government, um, whereas uh, it, it's a much, much smaller set of articles that actually talk about Canberra as a place. Uh-huh. So that's an interesting one. That is. So why do you think Canberra gets such a bad rap from other major cities? I think Canberra is presented as quite a different place than other cities, and part of that does become because it is the national capital and it is the seat of government, um, it's also a planned city, um, and it's very much perceived as an insider's town. And I would agree, it is an insider's town. It's kind of hard to get to know Canberra without spending any quality time in Canberra. Um, it's not really set up in a way that you can kind of just turn up and find things. Um, it's been interesting. I've been at a, co- a communications conference here in Canberra this week, um, and a lot of the attendees were a little bit like... But, I don't know where to go. I don't know where where to find things. Um, and, and I think that that is a little bit of a barrier for, for anyone that comes and visits Canberra as well. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Shami and Swatha. We're speaking to University of Canberra PhD candidate Prue Robson on why our capital city has so many negative stereotypes. And Prue, let me tell you... Uh, <laughs> We've got a lot of engagement on this topic. <laughs> People are very passionate about Canberra, so you've definitely picked a very hot topic to do a PhD on. Um, our, our first text is a bit wild. Um, they said, oh, it's from Anonymous. They say, Canberra is the butt of everyone's jokes because Canberra is a butt. And then they, in capitals, they went, Canberra is a butt. Cool. Thank four, you. Four T's in that butt, by the way. <laughs> yeah, four T's in Four T's. And Theo from Blacktown says, I love Canberra. How dare you? There is no better cultural hub than Mooseheads. What is Mooseheads? <gasps> oh, <laughs> Mooseheads. Prue, you, you break it down for Shami. <laughs> uh, Mooseheads is a nightclub here that is uh, that is quite popular with the, the younger set and uh, our <laughs> university students. Okay. I've actually never been. It's Oh, my God. Prue, I'm, I'm going to come to Canberra and take you there. <laughs> it is, it's wild. It's like um, Canberra's equivalent of Starbar. Like oh, sticky oh. claws, like oh. $4 drinks, Ew. $4 mixed drinks. It's like Pre's to your night out. Then you go to the treehouse. Do you know that place, Prue? Yes, I do know Yeah, she knows it. Prue's in. Okay, <laughs> wow. Anyway, I love Canberra. Um, and then <laughs> Joni texted in saying, I can imagine literally nothing worse than moving to Canberra. Sorry, Prue, I need convincing. Well, <laughs> quite a mixed bag of responses there. Um, but yeah, I guess it's not just attitudes about the city itself, but also people thinking it about Canberra residents. What are some of the popular stereotypes about Canberra- Canberrans? 
Canberrians? Canberrians. Canberrians. Whatever. I mean, the, the public service town is, is a huge one, and that's certainly changing. Like, the statistics will show now that about 30% of people work in the federal pub- public service. Um, but it's a huge one. But the thing is, what I find really interesting in my research is that Canberra objectively, on the facts and stats, is a great place to live. Um, but that doesn't necessarily translate into people's opinions. So, you know, the research will show that we're highly educated, we have the highest incomes in the nation, we have, you know, access to the, the best educational and research facilities, the national monuments and museums and sporting facilities. Apparently we're less stressed than other cities. Um, also cultured, so again, that access to national institutions and monuments. We spend more money on books and music uh, well, musical instruments and uh, arts and design than other places. One of my favourite quotes out of a news article is that Canberrans don't drink in bars where it would be considered boozing. Canberrans drink at national institutions. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's very true. Summer in pa- uh, old pa- summer drinks at Old Parliament House is, is like a Canberra institution. <laughs> so um, it's kind of funny. But I think that that gets to a little bit... Like, it's, even for me, reading all that together in these articles, it's a bit vomit-worthy. Like, <laughs> to be like... Oh, gross. Like um, and so I think there is a little bit of tall poppy syndrome there um, that when Canberrans are talked about in this way and it's portrayed as this great place to live and best place to live, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah shut up. Um, and, you know, we do have a bit of a history in Australia of the, the cutting of the tall poppies down. So I think that that's something that's going on there. Canberra's gone through many changes in recent years. And do you think that the public perception will ever change around Canberra? So looking at the media representation, it is starting to change. So often in the, the newer articles I've looked at, they refer to the stereotypes, but they're more talking about Canberra then than Canberra now. Um, it's, it's kind of funny. It's almost like the journalist needs to acknowledge the stereotype to establish their credibility. They can't just come in and write an article about Canberra is cool and talk about the good things. They have to actually acknowledge the stereotype first. Um, but it's certainly changing around some of our um, urban redevelopment. So our new Acton precinct, our Long, Lonsdale Street and Braddon and stuff, so there's some more positive stuff coming around that, um, particularly around arts, design, food and wine. So there is a little sentiment that Canberra's becoming a little bit more cosmopolitan and modern. Um, but stereotypes, I mean, the research shows stereotypes take a long time to change. Um, so I think we will see a change, but it's going to take time. It would help if the media stopped using Canberra as a, as a metaphor for uh, the federal government, but I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon. So you're halfway through your research, Prue. What other insights are you planning to look into? So I'm going to look at the actual official materials we produce in Canberra. So uh, visit Canberra, Brand Canberra, some ACT government materials and see how they're positioning Canberra as a place to live and see kind of how that lines up with what the media is saying or not. Um, and then I'm speaking to people about what they think before and after moving to Canberra and how their perceptions may have changed or may not have changed. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, in, as you said, like there's kind of a high engagement. It's a fun topic. No matter who you talk to, whether they're from Canberra or not, everyone has an opinion. So I'm really looking forward to actually talking to people about what their perceptions are and where they might think they come from. Per other than me taking everyone out to Mooseheads <laughs> and out on the town, what's the best thing about Canberra you think would convert the non-believers? I think that kind of is the answer in a way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pressure on me, Pru. Um, I think um, I think people do need to spend some time here, but I would say do some research first. It is an insider's town. Don't just turn up. You will come down the main road from Sydney and you'll be like, huh? 
where, where is this stuff? So you kind of need to do some research. But we do have stuff for everyone. I would say, like, um, food and wine has, has gone off hugely in the last couple of years. Um, but also arts, design, you know, outdoor activities, events, festivals, those kind of things. So um, I think people do need to spend time here. But it is really hard. It's one of the challenges for place branders. Like, how do you get people to move to a place when they've never experienced what it's like to live in a place? Um, and even visiting is not enough sometimes because, obviously, you know, our everyday lives are very different from, you know, a holiday. So um, actually at the conference there was a number of presentations about virtual reality so I've started to have a little bit of a thought about how virtual reality might play a role for place branding as well. So, But for now I think the answer is to try and um, try and spend some time here and find an insider to spend some time with and, and really see what uh, Canberra has to offer. Thanks for talking to us this morning, Prue. Thank you so much. It's been fun. That was Prue Robson, a researcher and PhD candidate, looking into the ways in which negative stereotypes about our nation's capital are affected by the media. Well, that's all we've got time for the show today. Another big thanks to our producers, Eden Faithful, Natalie Sokolowska and Pip Polison. And thanks again to our guests, Sam Langford and Prue Robson. We'll catch you next week. But before we do, we're going to play a track by Lizzo Sweather. You just got tickets to Lizzo at FOMO. So this is why we're playing it, right? Correct. Uh, humble brag. Humble brag. <laughs> uh, this is Lizzo's banger of a song, Truth Hurts. Enjoy. See you all next week. <laughs>